Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today are Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, gentlemen. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hello, Johnny. Hello. And this week, we're joined by Mike Ekman in Dyer, Indiana. Hello, Mike. Hi, everybody. Last week, we really enjoyed having Svetlana Belinsky on the show, and it was great to hear her cut through some of the nonsense and technicalities surrounding using old lenses and just to get out there and enjoy using them. And a bit of news as of uh, today, we were actually recording this uh, episode on the Sunday, and Lana has announced that she's successfully managed to buy a very nice Besser tea um, after the nightmarish experience that she had last time when she was completely ripped off. So uh, it's great to see that there's a happy ending there. Um, this week, we're going to be chatting to Mike Etman of MikeEtman.com, and he's also an admin of the Vintage Camera Collectors Facebook group. I'm looking forward to scratching the surface of Mike's extensive knowledge, and hopefully we're going to get some great advice about buying old cameras and lenses. But to start us off this week, here's Johnny with some feedback from our last podcast. Right, Simon. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we had the overwhelmingly positive feedback from uh, Svetlana's appearance on uh, episode 14 with us. Just a, a lot, of, a lot of really good feedback there. Els Van Barnenfeld uh, was had a, gr- a great comment praising uh, Svetlana as a fellow Team Dutch ambassador. So uh, hashtag Girl Power, hashtag Team Holland, and hashtag Classic Lenses. That was super cool to see. Um, as you mentioned, Simon, really looking forward to um, seeing more about the new Bessatee that Svetlana has finally managed to get, which is a, a, a big favorite of mine. Um, so we'll look forward to that one. Um, and then I guess the other thing that, that came up here just recently prior to the episode today is uh, Simon's amazingly manly-looking display of his MTO 1000 AM um, in a uh, looks like spring is sprung there where you're where you're standing, Simon. It, it, and we got some some nice images from your son Andrew of you with your manly, manly looking lens. Yeah, so you're right. Spring has sprung, and and uh, uh, Andrew's been taking a few uh, photos lately, and uh, and I thought, ah. you know what, I can I can use him to. Uh, um, to go out in the garden and and and, t- and take some portrait shots and uh, and I thought the obvious thing to do is to is to get the MTO thousand AM which is yeah uh, as as with all Soviet lenses it, it's got a confusing name because you would think that an MTO thousand would be a one thousand millimeter lens but no it's a one thousand one hundred millimeter lens uh, with a ten point five uh, aperture, but um, I just thought to myself, let's let's just do something fun. And uh, the, the, what what would you do with these lenses, or rather, how how wouldn't you use the lens? And so, just walking around with it casually by the side, and <laughs> and then I I, I use the. Um, is inspiration. I use the. Uh, I don't know if you had these in the, in the states, but certainly in the UK, you'd have uh, catalogues uh, where you can buy things mail order, and uh, they were very popular in the in the seventies and uh, into the eighties, and they were they were full of really cheesy uh, model shots, and uh, so I, I just decided to do something really obvious, and uh, and then <laughs> and then it came to me uh, as far as like the the second shot where the way that I'm actually holding uh, the the lens up to my face is is absolutely not the way you would ever use it i think it i think got the inspiration possibly from that kylie shoot uh, that was that was uh, um posted on our, our group the other day where, where kylie's got a, a zenit camera and, and uh, 
clearly she doesn't really know how how to use it and um, so I thought well yeah let's do something like that and I just held it up as if I was just using it with live view without supporting the lens whatsoever which <laughs> which led to a few um, uh, screeches of horror uh, that I was going to break the mount and things like that. And uh, the the good news is that the photograph was taken very, very quickly. So uh, uh, Andrew's getting quite good on the shutter there. So I lifted it up and virtually within the swing, he took the shot and then it came down. So there was no harm done. So uh, all's well. I'm pretty well. sure that would void your Sony warranty too if they saw this picture, Simon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're not right. You're not, not wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, is there actually a Sony mirrorless camera with uh, mirror lenses magazine because if there's not you need to get on that <laughs> yeah well it's it's, it's there the circulation's very 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 small but you know it, it, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's there if you look hard enough um, okay well uh, thanks for the feedback there Johnny um, sure and uh, you know what I've already given a, a brief uh, introduction to, to Mike but seeing that Mike is actually one of your heroes Johnny I think he'll be uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to hand it back to you to uh, do a proper introduction so uh, take it away Johnny so, sounds good and and we are Mike and I are not only in the same time zone we're only maybe I don't know what 30 miles apart Mike yeah. something like that yeah if it was nighttime I could probably get to your house in about 45 minutes but yeah uh, in the middle of the day, fighting through Chicago traffic, it's probably <laughs> yeah. a closer hour, hour and a half. Right, yeah, 30 miles, Mike Ekman, 30 miles and two hours away from me, travel time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, Mike, Mike's, uh, Mike, as you say, Simon, rightfully so, is definitely one of my uh, online camera internet heroes. Um, I, I, I'm just kind of amazed at um, your pro prolific output when it comes to uh you know camera reviews and guides and articles on your website mike i i one that i know that we're going to talk about today which was to me a big inspiration really to have you on honestly was um your guide to buying old cameras which which really leads right into you know some of the conversations we have on the on the classic lenses website about all right well how do you buy old cameras and lenses? Because that's how we acquire them. This stuff is all vintage. So I think it's really appropriate. But I mean, we're talking, folks, if you have not read this, this is a 19,000 word guide to the ins and outs of buying vintage cameras and lenses. I did a word count. It's over 19,000 words, which I mean, that's like long form New Yorker magazine camera, you know, uh, article length article. That's that's really amazing to me. Um, and I, you have, I think, about 150 different camera reviews um, of various different cameras, which is also incredible. Um, I think anyone who's done any sort of searching around to find more information about a specific camera model might have come across one of your reviews, whether they were, you know, familiar with your name or not. But you're, it's, it's amazing to me the amount of um, not just reviews you've done, but the detail. So. Um, I, yes, I'm really excited to have you on and you know that you're someone that I know in real life as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I would love to, you know, just share more about, you know, the process of how you got started and how you go about doing your feedbacks and your, um, I'm sorry, your reviews. Cause to me, I would be completely overwhelmed trying to write that much about any camera that I have. So yeah. 
it, it's it's definitely not easy. Um, I, uh, I I take my time with the reviews. At any given point, I could have between twenty and thirty different articles, reviews, and draft status. Um, I use WordPress, so you know, you, for anybody who's familiar with that, you just go to your posts and then it just you you sort everything by whether something has been published or or draft. Um, it, you know, there's been there's been reviews that I've had sitting idle for about a year and a half. Sometimes before I finish them, uh, there, there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, you know, you know, I always try to shoot every camera that I review. Um, you know, sometimes I will still do a review without shooting it due to you know it being broken uh, uh, or something along those lines. But I make every effort to at least get uh, a camera working so that I could show pictures that really did get shot through it um, until maybe the last six months. Um, I had never developed my own film before. So um, through persuasion from, you know, members like yourself and, you know, just other guys, uh, plus the the um, benefit of saving money, I started developing my own film too. So that's helped a lot as well, uh, especially when I have a camera that I'm not really sure if it's working properly. I can, you know, find a, a cheap roll of, you know, black and white or something and, and, and shoot um, half a roll through it, maybe split it with something else and, and quickly develop it in my basement to see if I get anything. And in some cases, the first, uh, results that I get, uh, I'm not happy with either, you know, my choice of, uh, of subject matter just isn't that good. Um, sometimes technical issues, you know, maybe a shutter is off uh, by, you know, certain speed or something. And I feel like I could probably get better results by doing it again. Um, I will shelve a review, um, so, you know, you asked how I got started. Um, well, eBay, you know, is, is uh, something that I think is familiar to most people in this hobby. Whether, whether you like eBay or not, it certainly has its, its pros and its cons. But um, it is an, an undeniable source for, for almost anything you could want. Um, and uh, I, I had been a fan of, uh, of digital, you know, I was a Nikon guy. I had a couple Nikon DSLRs and uh, one day I was just browsing online and, and read that, you know, Nikon film cameras, uh, share the same mount and they can be, you know, easily used on digital cameras. So I bought a, a Nikon EL2 thought that was kind of neat. Um, I didn't know anything about it, didn't know how to use it. Uh, so I just started searching online, finding what information I could. Um, and, and I enjoyed using it. So I went back on eBay and uh, decided to go for broke and jumped from a 1970s 35 millimeter SLR all the way to a Kodak folding camera. Um, that turns out to be uh, the number one A uh, autographic junior which I did not know at the time takes 116 film, uh, which I did not know had not been made in a long time. Um, I knew basically nothing, but um, I started, you know, reading other reviews, scouring forums. Um, back then I, I had used uh, the rangefinderforum.com um, and found some people that were helpful on there too. And, um, you know, I, I, I was really impressed with the quality of images I was able to get on a camera that was 85 years old. Um, you know, and, and, and the bug, you know, people call it gas gear acquisition syndrome. Uh, it, it bit hard and, uh, you know, you started to see, Hey, you know, what else can I try? Um, and I, that would have been like late 2014, I'd say. And, uh, I think most people in this hobby have noticed in the last, 
you know, two or three years, a, a rise in prices of, um, you know, cameras, people are getting a little bit more interested in stuff. So I feel like I kind of got in right before that happened. Cause I mean, you could find stuff, you know, nice SLRs with, with lenses attached for 20 bucks all day long. You know, you, there are still the occasional good deals to be had um, if you're lucky. Um, but it's, it's not as easy to get those amazing deals like you used to, you know? Um, so, so anyway, um, I bought a few models and, and I started to write about them and, you know, I had the Mike Ekman.com domain name I had registered several years prior. I just thought it was kind of neat to own my own domain name. Um, the, the site as it existed back then was just random stuff that I posted. I would write like movie reviews and a few just things about technology, uh, you know, music, like bands that I was interested in. So it wasn't ever a camera site specifically. Um, that's why it doesn't have a cool name, you know, of cool vintage camera.com or, or anything like that. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it started off as a personal blog with a few camera-related posts. And as I got more and more interested in it, it started to grow from there to the point where that was practically all that, that I've, I've ever posted. And I've always loved history. You know, back in school, that was a subject that I enjoyed. I've always liked hearing the stories behind things, the people that make things. You know, I find that, um, you know, people, when you handle a classic camera, I think, I can speak for all of us here. It, it's just impressive the level of quality and craftsmanship that that old cameras used to have. Um, you know, to think that an old 1950s rangefinder, when when properly working, is going to make pictures even better. I would say than maybe it could have when it was new. You know, you, you take. Um, uh, something like uh, you know Kodak Ektar or you know some other nice slide film, and you're going to get really great images um, that that could possibly look better than some of the pictures that the people would have shot back when they were new, and and that's just cool to me. You know, I I love the feel of the old cameras, the the design of them, the sounds they make, and you know, and and I just started to write and. If it's not obvious now, because I'm kind of rambling here, I, I tend to do that in my reviews. Um, <laughs> the 19,000 word uh, <laughs> buying camera, Mike's Guide to Buying Old Cameras, um, I actually just looked at it and I, I can't believe I wrote that. I finished it originally in January of 2015. So, I mean, I had just gotten started. You know, I had, I had bought my first, that old Kodak folder I was mentioning back in 2014. So uh, that's how much information I, I just kind of had in my head. And, and what I thought was there's probably other people out there like me. And, and while very little of that guide is truly unique, like, you know, I didn't invent a lot of things. I basically just like aggregated what I found through talking to people, other blogs, Wikipedia, you know, just all the sources that are out there on the internet. And I just wanted to put it in one location and, and whether somebody found that interesting uh, or helpful, you know, I didn't care, you know, part of it was just doing it for myself too, you know, cause I have referred back to my own posts in the past. Um, I've, I have, tweaked that post and updated a few things as I've learned new things. Um, you know, so, so I do periodically update old posts. I won't 
really draw attention to it though unless I, I make some significant change. But but yeah, that that buying Mike's guide to buying old cameras, it it has everything from from what kind of film you can even get, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. pro- prior to my reintroduction, we'll call it to film, you know, growing up, um, you know, I had cheap 35 millimeter point and shoots. I mean, my, my dad had an SLR, um, you know, so I was familiar with, with film, but like I had never shot any kind of role film, you know, I wasn't yeah. aware of all the different formats. And, and I wrote that guide just for someone like that, you know, where to get started, what kind of cameras to buy, you know, you, 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 whenever you're a member of a collector's group, you, Johnny, you work at, at the store, you probably get this question daily. What's the best camera to buy? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it just makes you cringe. It, it doesn't matter whether you're into stereo equipment, you know, cars, computers, whatever. There's no best anything. You know, there's right. There's a lot sure. of variety. Yeah, a lot of variety. And and I just feel like it, it's unrealistic that somebody's gonna find that guide and read all nineteen thousand words from start to finish. But what my hope is is that people can find bits and pieces of it and say, okay. This is helpful. Um, you know, maybe I'll keep reading or, or I'll bookmark this and then come back to it later. And and I think that right. from the feedback I've gotten from like you and other people, that's what people do. Yeah, and and well, I guess what you what you just said about aggregating information. I it's interesting. We have a lot of the questions come up, you know, on the Classic Lenses website where people are getting started with this and seeking information and they get overwhelmed really easily because there's so much information out there. And, and that's, I guess what I really like about this article um, is that you do aggregate information in a way that's very digestible. And I, I, I guess I really admire the fact that you're able to do that because um, I find that really challenging to take a lot of information, distill it down to um, a kind of cons- a concise you know, section, it's a lot of words, but it's, you have, you have this thing really sectioned out. So I, I, like you said, some of you might not read the whole thing, but if you dive into a specific section, you get a lot of really good information about, you know, a certain aspect of how you'd go about doing this. Like, I mean, you have a bit about lenses, you know, about how you clean them up, what to look for, you know, that sort of thing. And even the way you've kind of done a camera skill level, you know, automatic versus manual. You, you, I just like the way you aggregate, aggregate information. And I think it's very helpful. Um, so, you know, anyone who's, who's looking to get started and if you're looking to buy a camera and or lens, cause a lot of times people are buying, you know, lenses spe- specifically, but they come with cameras and then you kind of get interested in using the camera. Right. So I think it's really helpful in that regard to folks, um, even in our group, which is, you know, definitely a lens centric sort of group. Um, but I think the two things just go hand in hand when you're looking for vintage lenses. Yeah, I think so. Um, if you're looking to do this, uh, aside from reading all 19,000 words, um, <laughs> probably the three best tips I could offer anybody uh, looking to get into this, um, for one, and the thing that you touched upon earlier <clears throat> that I think is very easy to lose track of is, is to have fun. I mean, you should want to shoot photography, whether it's with um, a digital camera, whether it's with an Instax, whether it's with an old rangefinder, because because you want to, you know, um, photography is 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 a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And when you go into this, you should just find something that you think is cool. If if you end up with a Pentax K one thousand with a fifty millimeter prime. 
then hey, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's so much more out there. There's so many amazing models that look cool, um, you know, that that have different design elements or, or strange and quirky, uh, you know, controls. Um, one of my all-time favorites is the Exacta SLR. I, I don't really like using them. Um, I find the shape of the body to be hard to hold. Uh, you know, unless you have a neck strap where it's hanging from your neck, the the shape of the body just it it's it it doesn't feel good in your hands. Uh, the left-handed controls take a little bit to get used to. The wind lever is like 359 degrees. Um, for anybody who's ever shot an Exacta, it's 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 not um, quick and fast, but it's a gorgeous camera. I love them. I have several Exactas. They look great on a shelf. Um, they're fun to use. You, you know. It, they, they're they're great for like nature walks or some you know just stroll down the city street or something. They're not good for capturing moving children where you have to <laughs> get a quick shots. So um, you know a camera that sometimes sucks um, in terms of ergonomics. I I just posted a, a an old review of the Argus C3 and and tons of people came out and said I hate these cameras. They, mm -hmm. I, I don't like the controls. I don't like the way it's shaped. But then you'll get the other 50% of people say, I love the Argus. I love its strange quirkiness. And, and I think um, that what I wanted people to get out of that article the most is that if you actually give them a chance, they're wonderful cameras. Uh, they, they make great pictures. Um, and that's kind of circling back to my, my tip of having fun. And that's that's what really appealed to me, I think, when I got started in this in this uh, in this hobby. If as great as Nikon SLRs are, if that's all there was, it, it, I wouldn't have the interest, you know, in this. If every camera was a Leica, or if every camera was a, a you know a Minolta SRT 101, um, it would get boring quick. And and I love yeah. the variety, you know. I know um, you've become a recent yeah. uh, Petri fan. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a great, you know, they and, and the green matic system is just slightly different enough to where it's cool and the lens is good and it feels good in your hands and it doesn't look like every other camera out there. Um, right. So so right. that was my first tip. Uh, the second tip I would say, especially if you're getting started, is to have realistic expectations. Um, you know, you're not going to go out and get a, a Zeiss Planar, you know, lens for, for 10 bucks. Um, but you don't have to either, you know, you, you can get really nice images out of really basic 2.8, um, mm -hmm. you know, Japanese range finders, you know, um, somebody literally just this morning on, on, on the vintage camera collectors group posted the, the Ashika minister D that is as uninspiring of a range finder as you'll ever find it. There's nothing special about it. It looks kind of generic. But you, once you actually hold it, load a roll of film in it, and take pictures through it, it, it just works really, really well. And the, the pictures that you get from it are really good. It's fun to use. And, and, and that's what's cool, you know. So, so have fun. Have realistic expectations. Um, but, you know, and then the third tip I would say, too, is, you know, be willing to get your hands dirty a little bit. You know, uh, not every camera is going to work perfectly. It's not going to work the same as it did uh, when it was brand new. And and a really good tip, 
is for people who do get attracted to, uh, you know, the Leica and and the, the the mystique of your your top tier luxury brands is is Father Time is as brutal on a Leica as it is on any other brand. It doesn't mean that um, it, it can't be fixed or it might not even still be usable. Um, you know, sometimes you'll get an old SLR and the slow speeds don't work anymore. And yeah, you could, you know, send that off to get a CLA and, and pay somebody 150, 200 bucks to get it working again. Or just go outside, set the shutter speed to 1, 100 or 1, 250 or something and, and, and just enjoy it for what it is, you know, have fun. And, and that's, I think, the tone that a lot of my articles are written in is get you enough information to get started. How do I overcome some minor problems? How do I clean my cameras? Um, I did write sort of a follow-up to the buying guide, which is my, um, you know, bringing cameras back to a usable state. Um, yeah. and, and I have a ton of disclaimers I've gotten. I don't want to say hate mail, but I have gotten some really strongly worded <laughs> comments from, <laughs> from professional camera techs who say, you know, I've spent my whole life working on these machines and, and it aggravates me when I see people like you saying, just dump lighter fluid on something. And, and, they're, <laughs> and they're not wrong. You know, I, I get it. I, if I was somebody who devoted my life to a trade or a skill, it, you know, there is a lot of bad information out there. Um, there are a lot of things even I I've done, you know, that, that didn't work. Um, but, but I also, am not using historical artifacts either. You know, I've had right. much, I've had success more often than not. Um, and, and it's important despite your, your admiration of my site to know that I'm just a guy who likes cameras. I, yeah. I, I don't think I'm that great of a photographer. Um, I don't do this professionally. This is truly just a hobby for me. Um, and it's, and I think that that's important to know because I think sometimes like you ever watch those, uh, those car hot rod shows where you see these guys restoring an old Chevelle or something. And they're like, I got out my, my handmade welder kit, you know, and, and if you're just getting started in old cars, you're thinking, well, I don't have that. I don't know how to use those kinds of tools. I can't do that. And, and I think that when people see, others that are you know really great photographers and they have these you know five thousand dollar bodies and these huge one thousand and one millimeter soviet lenses they think wow that guy really knows what he's doing um and and <laughs> sometimes they do <laughs> um in my case though you know i think that to get from somebody who doesn't know anything to knowing enough to get started it's really not that far you know, just have an open mind, be willing to do some reading, ask some questions, listen to some podcasts, and, and, and there's enough to get you started. And, and don't feel like if your first camera um, isn't a Hasselblad that it's not worth, it's not worth it, because that's, that's totally not true at all. You know, there's there's so many great cameras, and and I've reviewed. I think you're probably pretty close to about 150 different models, and. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple Leicas in there. Um, as a general rule, if you see a high dollar camera that I've reviewed, it's because somebody loaned it to me. Um, I do not own a single Roloflex TLR. I do not own a single Hasselblad or Leica. Um, in, in fact, Johnny sold me a, a Minolta Autocord. 
um, last summer that I've been trying to get working again. And the only reason I have it is because of the, the low, low, low price that, uh, that <laughs> yeah. imported it to me. And, and it, it was deserving of that price too, because it had a laundry list of problems. So yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> you can get into vintage photography and vintage lenses for cheap. Um, it, it, it's, it's silly to think that you need to pay you know, a thousand dollars just to get started. Cause that's not true at all. There's, there's so many wonderful bodies out there that are fun to use. They make great pictures and, and they have good stories. And that's in, in a less than 19,000 word nutshell, kind of what I hope, <laughs> that's what I hope people get from reading my articles. Yeah. I, well, that, that's, that's what I, I would say I get from them is that, like you said, you do have this take on it that look, Hey, I, I just like these things for, a lot of reasons. I like the designs. I like the history. I like this, and they're fun to play with. And I and I do think it it's great that you keep the the focus on that, and that you don't have to be, um, a, I guess a, pro a professional <laughs> to have a good time with this. Yeah. You know, and I and to me, when you get right down to it, you know, that's what photography is meant to be. It's meant to be something accessible to people. And um, I guess one of the things I really like about our our group, the uh, Classic Lenses group, is that um, it's it's very easy to now to take an old lens that's 50 plus years old and put it on a modern camera, which you can now get secondhand, not very expensive and make amazing images with. And that is something I share with you is your opinion on that, that I, that's probably one of the things I like most about shooting, you know, vintage cameras and lenses is that you have this amazing device that still works. And there's very, I feel like there's very few pieces of technology that we interact with on a daily basis that are, you know, more than 10 years old <laughs> that still work. Um, and cameras and lenses certainly fit that bill. I mean, I have, I have lenses. Well, a lot of times the cameras are completely rotted away, but I have Kodak lenses that are a hundred plus years old that I've put on my digital cameras and on my film cameras and they still work and they still make images. So it just, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to make that happen. Um, and I think it's, it's a, a valuable, valuable pursuit, right? Yeah, I, like, I agree. I like what you said about, um, have fun. I, I think that's, that's really critical and it really hits home with me. Um, I didn't start doing film photography until what, what Johnny, maybe was it two years ago. Yeah. And I started with some different SLR film cameras and it was, it was okay, but it, it didn't feel fun. And so I didn't use them very much. And then, um, Johnny introduced me to um, LTM lenses, which I started using on my Fuji, and then um, and then I, I bought a rangefinder, and I have some old rangefinders, some Zorkies and and some Kievs and things like that that I've used, but they're not not that great to use. And I bought a Canon Seven, and it was just fun. And then and then I noticed the P is a little bit nicer size, and so I have a Canon P now, and and um, my photography as with film is during lunchtime, I eat quick and then I give myself 45 minutes to forget about work and I just go walk around and having, have, having, and having fun to me is using my light meter, making all the adjustments, but the camera's just really cool feeling in my hands. I like the way that it sounds when it fires, but the whole deal. And, um, sometimes I get some pictures that are pretty good out of it too, but, um, I really, I, just, I like the range. And it's the same thing with these Petries. They're just, they're just so cool and, and fun to, fun to use and they produce good pictures. So um, I, I, I like that you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I would just say, 
in terms of my thoughts about photography, not to get too philosophical here, but one of the things I enjoy most about working at Central Camera, um, yeah, this could get a little philosophical, sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, I actually studied photography. That's what I did, you know, in college. It, it, questionable as it was, that's what I did because it's what I love and I've always loved it. So well, one of the things I love about it is it's very democratic. And Chicago is a weird city. Um, it's very segregated. Uh, people don't cross cross paths very much uh, from um, different backgrounds. But one of the places where that happens is photography. And that's always fascinated me. And I happen to work at a place where um, I encounter people from all different backgrounds and all parts of the world every single day because they have a common interest in photography that's very democratic. It, it just it crosses all boundaries. Um, and I find that really, really fascinating that that, that happens because I feel like there's fewer and fewer things that really connect people. So I think photography does that. Um, cameras and lenses do that. And uh, to me, that's a, it's a really wonderful and praiseworthy thing to be involved in. To me, that makes me feel better about the world every day. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, I, I, I would say enjoy looking at average people make much more so than something that's hanging in a gallery or going to see it in a museum. I mean, that those things are great too, but I'm actually far more interested in what just the average person does with a camera. Um, and I've always had that kind of opinion and that interest. And I, and I feel like th that's gotten easier uh, rather than harder. It used to be much more difficult and it's gotten easier. And that's one of the areas I guess I really credit digital photography and digital cameras is that it has made it so much more accessible. Um, so that, that's, that's, I guess, my philosophy on it. But um, I, I don't know if others feel that way or have seen, you know, they have that opinion or have that feeling about why they do it. But that's what well, it is for me. And it always has what's, been. what's interesting that I've experienced many, many times, even with you, Johnny, is, um, you know, you could be an enthusiast for, for practically anything. You could be into video games and cars and motorcycles and home theater. And you have your, your people who are into those hobbies, too. And sometimes it can be hard to get into a new hobby, you know, because you're the noob and, and there aren't as many people willing to help out somebody. And that's something I, I haven't really experienced with with photography is is so many people are willing to share their knowledge and help out and answer questions and the fact that you know for for people who don't know you know i have a few of johnny's cameras and i'm trying to help get it back up and running again but uh i've borrowed cameras from other people before and and sent film to people i had a lot of uh, a, a big bag of 116 film that i got more than i ever need so i found a few guys who had a camera but no film so I sent them a few rolls um, and, and I just see that over and over again and there's just something about photography that it, it gets people talking and, and people are interested in what you're shooting. You know, like I said, it doesn't really matter what it is. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few snobby people here and there. I mean, it's it's bound to happen. But um, I'm actually incredibly jealous of, you, you know, you being able to work downtown and, and have that interaction with so many people. Um you know that are just willing to talk and ask questions and stuff but it's 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 a really great hobby and the the vast number of people willing to offer a hand and, and information i think is great um so you know that that's been my experience i think uh, so, so mike i know one of the things we've talked about recently just kind of offline is uh you just got a new uh digital camera that 
uh, I know you're using classic lenses on to do photos of other cameras and lenses. Um, Maybe you can tell us a a little bit about that. Yeah, I just got um, my first brand new digital camera in a while. I, I went with the Fujifilm X-T20. Um, it, I, I had a lot of back and forth. I know I'd picked your brain often about your thoughts uh, on the different models that were out there. Um, and the thing that appealed to me uh, the most about the Fuji, I, I have to admit, is the classic design. Um, I love how they are calling back to the old film cameras uh, with the mechanical knobs that I just find them beautiful. Um, But I also, well, I should say prior to that, I was Nikon. Um, I had a D7000 for like the past six or or, or so years. And and that's still an outstanding camera too. Um, And I got many, many, many great shots uh, on it. But um, when I got more into adapting lenses, um, for those who are familiar, um, Nikon has the longest uh, flange to focal plane distance of of most DSLRs. What that means is the distance in millimeters between where the lens mounts to the body to where the actual sensor is, is longer on Nikon DSLRs than, than mirrorless or even other DSLR platforms. And the, where that comes into a problem is when you install a lens w- that was designed for a different style of camera, um, it, that point at which the glass is supposed to focus the image is off. And you can change that by rotating the focus ring, but you lose the ability to focus to infinity um, on Nikon DSLR. So if you're doing macro photography or you know portraits or something, it's not a big deal. But uh, if you want to be able to use the full range of that lens on, and you shoot Nikon, you have to use these... Um, these lens adapters. It's it's like a, it it looks like a normal lens adapter, but it has an actual piece of glass in there that corrects it. And um, I, I haven't ever used one of those, but the general consensus seems to be that it lowers the image quality in some capacity. You know, there the glass element that does the correction and those adapters is not built to the same standard that uh, you know Nikon or any of the 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 good lens makers would have put in there. Um, so you lose quite a bit in terms of image quality on that. And and I knew that whatever system I wanted to move on to, I wanted to make sure that I could use any lens imaginable. And that's um, that's true, I think, of all mirrorless platforms. But I liked the Fuji for the design. Um, Johnny, you know, raved about them. I read a lot of glowing reviews. Um, the 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 kit lens that it came with. Um, I I opted for the eighteen to fifty five millimeter um, f two point eight uh, lens. is is just outstanding. I mean, it it I love Nikon, so you know, don't don't shoot me. But it blows away anything Nikon's kit lenses can do. Um, you know, to get, in my opinion, the level of quality out of the the Fuji 18 to 55, um, you got to spend a lot more money in most other systems. Um, it's just, it's a beast. You know, all all metal lens mounts. It just feels solid in your hand. Um, so, you know, once I held it, I knew, yeah, this is the camera I wanted to use. And and since then, you know, Johnny had talked. I use digital cameras with vintage lenses to take pictures of old film cameras. Um, and, you know, that's intentional. You know, I, I feel like it gives sort of a, a little more of a, of a 
you know, credence, I should say, to my images. So when you go to my website, any review you read that has a picture of the camera being reviewed is shot on a digital weather, you know, if it was older, it would have been my Nikon, um, but my more recent ones are done on the Fuji. And I almost always use, um, are you ready for this? Uh, a, a, a favorite lens is um, the Pentax Tacomar 55 1.8. And, and you might think, well, you know, couldn't you have been a little more creative, you know, <laughs> and pick something a little bit crazier? And yeah, I, I guess I could have, but I, I kept coming back to that lens because it just, it, it renders everything perfectly. I love the sharpness of it. I love the way that it, it responds on uh, a digital camera with the color rendition. Plus it just feels good. Um, there's M42 adapters for pretty much any camera out there. Um, for Fuji, I use an M42 to Fuji X mount that has a helicoid in it, which allows me to go all the way from infinity to about six to seven inches away. So it, it's, it's really great because it'll turn any M42 screw mount lens into a macro lens while also still being able to do infinity focus. So, you know, if I'm doing a review of a camera, I want to take like a, a, a far away shot just to show you the whole thing. But maybe I want to get kind of a, a fancy, you know, shallow depth of field of the logo or something. I can, I can turn the a helicoid on the M42 adapter and allow me to go really, really close. Um, and I just, I love that flexibility. Um, you know, could I have gotten similar results from, from a, a huge number of other lenses? Sure. But I just, I keep being drawn to that Takamar and, uh, you know, don't fix what's not broke is what they say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, partic <laughs> that's a particularly nice lens. Often when we have these podcasts, someone mentions a lens and while we're talking, I go on eBay and think I'm going to buy one of those. And, um, I just realized, oh, I, I have that lens. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't it, tried, and I needed to get it out because I haven't tried it yet on the on my my Sony. I only used it on the Fuji, so I need to. Pull that's it a out. lens. It's a lens you could accidentally have. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people who who've done this a while, they have an old Spotmatic. They forgot that they got in a lot because they were actually looking for you know the 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 something or else in that box. And oh yeah, there's a good old Spotmatic. I don't want. I'll just put that over here. And then you, you look at it later. It's like oh okay, that's got the lens on it that I wanted. Cool. Yeah, that 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 lens um, for me. And we've had this conversation before, it, both in the group, uh, in the classic lenses group, and also kind of privately between admins. Um, I would say that lens is probably in the running as as one of the top best basic entry level uh, classic lenses you can get if you're looking to get into this. And um, it's interesting. I you know I I, I am I, I'm particularly a big fan of that lens. Uh, especially the very old auto Takamar versions, which I think just render in a really beautiful way. They also have a really beautiful design and aesthetics. Um, and to me, that lens, I know we talk a lot about the Helios 44, um, which actually in the United States is a really uncommon lens. You can order it elsewhere, right, and get it sent to you, but it's really, really unlikely you're just going to stumble across one, whereas you're very likely to stumble across uh, you know, a 55 millimeter uh, Takamar. It's just a, it's a super common lens. And I feel like it's a great starter lens that people can pick up really, really inaffordably often attached to a camera. So you're almost going to get, you know, the camera and lens together for the same price as buying the lens separately pretty often. Um, like, I mean, if you, you know, you go search for this lens, 
you're, you're just as likely to get the same price on it with the Spotmatic on the back of the lens as you are to buy the lens individually. So it's, I think it's a, it's a great lens. I, I come back to it uh, frequently myself. I, I really like it. I've had that experience many times too. You can sometimes get a lens cheaper when it's attached to a camera than just buying it by yeah. itself. It's, it's bewildering that that happens. I know. I, I think I have picked up like probably at least three either Spotmatics or like the older H1, H2, H3 bodies just because the lens, I wanted the lens. <laughs> so I was like, I have all these Spotmatics laying around because of that, you know? So, so Mike, if, if you were to go out and buy it, you know, you're searching for a lens, um, what kind of criteria would you have uh, when you've, you've, you've found the lens that you want? What, what are the kind of things you, you would look for? Um, it, it's rare for me to have a specific lens in mind that I say, okay, I want to get this lens. What I, what I tend to do is the opposite. I just look what's out there and, and see what appeals to me. Um, I like things that are older and have a little bit of character. So sometimes the old preset lenses um, are a little bit more interesting to me. Um, you'll see a lot of the old German M42 mounts, exact mounts that have the chrome, the solid chrome body, you know, without like the rubber focusing rings and stuff. You know, lenses that have character, that's, that appeals to be more than just getting, you know, um, a Minolta Rocco or, you know, 50 millimeter or something. It, it, nothing against that lens. It's a wonderful lens too. But um, I, I feel like you could fall down the rabbit hole really quickly if you just go on eBay and just start randomly buying stuff. Um, so so for me, I like things that have character. And uh, and that's that's kind of what, what appeals to me is I'll, I'll find something and I'm like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. And then maybe a, a, a Google image search or something, I'll find some information about a lens and, and then I'll start to think, oh, okay, that, that sounds interesting. I want to try that. I want to see how that works. So, so I, I buy things typically opposite. Um, partially do is just I have a smaller budget too. I mean, I don't spend a lot of money on lenses. So I look and see what's available and see if anything just sort of leaps out to me as, as something that's interesting. And, and if so, then I'll go for it. So what, what kind of uh, attributes when you when you look at a, it sounds like you're buying most of your, your, your lenses and the equipment on, on eBay, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, so um, so as, a, as an experienced buyer, uh, and you'll you'll see an advert or a, a listing uh, for a certain lens or a camera for that matter. Um, what kind of what kind of things are you looking for within the advert, and what kind of triggers do you see? They're thinking, oh, I'm not so sure about this one. Probably price. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's really what it comes down to for me. Is uh, I'll look and see what I could shoot and. Uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that it's, a, you know, now that I have the Fuji, which, you know, I, I had mentioned a few minutes ago, I recently bought, um, I've, I have mo more options than I used to. I bought a few more adapters than I used to have for my old Nikon. So I'm a little more willing to experiment. Um, but, you know, I, I, this might be a disappointing answer. I don't know if it's what you're looking for, but I typically just buy stuff that I know I could use either on film first and then if I have an adapter that I could play with in digital, I will. Um, but, you know, I don't really ever go out and say, hey, I want to buy this lens for the specific purpose of mounting to digital, you know, so. 
Okay, well, I, I guess where, where I'm coming from is, is is how you might identify one lens. That, you might not be going out specifically looking for a certain lens, but you might see a lens that, that uh, piques your interest, um, and then you'll then read the description of the lens, and um, and there are going to be some things that somebody might say about it to say, I don't know, there's oil on, on the blades, or there's no oil, or it's a little bit stiff, or it's uh, free of, uh, uh, it's the, 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 the focus ring's free, or, or, or whatever. I'm just, just wondering if there, if there are certain things that you try to identify that are thinking, you know, this lens sounds, condition-wise, it sounds okay, or this lens, there's something about, they said something there that makes me a little bit concerned about it. I'm just wondering if there are any, any pointers that you could uh, give to our, our listeners when they're when they're looking for to buy lenses uh, on ebay or online somewhere yeah from a condition standpoint oil on the blades is definitely uh, a red flag um if it's if it's an slr lens where it has an automatic diaphragm that means that the iris needs to very quickly open and close moments before the shutter fires and any amount of oil on the blades will will affect that it, it might even get to the point where it gets stuck and the lens won't stop down as much. Um, it's a little bit less of an issue when you're talking about rangefinder lenses like, like a thread mount um, because they typically don't have automatic diaphragms. All that's just manual. So um, in case anybody ever wonders why did old rangefinder lenses have like 12, 15 different blades, whereas SLRs typically only have like five or six. It's because they needed to make them faster. Um, and so, yeah, oil on the blades is a huge problem. Um, and you typically want to avoid that. Um, you know, stuck focus rings is, is an issue. Not so much on SLR lenses. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it's affected too many lenses in the last 30, 40 years quite as bad as as uh, as back in the 50s. You know, you could sometimes get a camera where you can't even rotate the focus wing at all. So it, it generally helps to get a, a good idea of the condition of the rings. Do, do all the, the, the rings turn properly? Um, when, when I look specifically on, on eBay, I'm trying to buy something from somebody. I like to look at the effort that the seller puts into something because even a person, I hate the excuse, I don't know anything about cameras. You know, you'll see somebody will say, selling this old camera, I don't know anything about it. it, it it's like, that's just lazy. You know, or they they do know that there's a problem with it and they're trying to hide it. Um, anybody who doesn't know anything about cameras can turn a ring, you know, spin something and see if it moves or not. So it's really important for somebody looking to get an old lens to see what kind of effort the seller put into it. Um, you know, a stiff focus ring, it's not a deal breaker for me, but it, it's got to come down in price. You know, it, it has the condition of something has to reflect what you're willing to pay for it. Um, you know, haze is a big issue too. Haze is when you look through a lens, do you see kind of like a, a, a sheen of, uh, you know, d diffused light traveling through it? Um, fungus can, can show up as like little, uh, they look like tiny little balls of cotton with tiny little fingers growing out of it. Um, sometimes fungus will grow in splotches in the center of a, of a, a lens. Um, sometimes it grows from the outside in. Um, a, a small amount of fungus it probably won't show up in your images, um, but uh, it, again, it should be reflected in the price. So, you know, a lot of condition things are important, but uh, 
I'll somewhat contradict myself too and say that there's a lot of things that could be wrong with the lens and it'll still work. Um, you know, it, it is completely unrealistic for anybody to buy an old lens and not expect there to be some kind of speck of dust in there. Um, many old lenses from the day they were made would have these teeny tiny little bubbles in the glass. Um, a lot of Soviet lenses have those. And, and, and even though you might think, gee, I don't want this like orb of, of whatever it is inside my lens, it, it rarely has any impact on the quality of the images you're going to get from it. So, so it, it is important to look at condition. It is important to make sure that the iris turns, that the focus ring turns, that there aren't huge gouges, you know, scratches in the lens. Um, you know, fungus is bad, uh, but, you know, minor imperfections in a lens aren't going to show up in your images at all. They're still going to work fine. Um, I would be willing to bet that most anybody with, with a modern digital lens, take it off, shine a flashlight through it, you're going to see some specs in there. Um, so, you know, if, if you're looking to buy a lens and you see one that's got a couple minor issues, um, it's probably not going to make much of a difference. You just, you got to use a lot of common sense, I think, because, uh, you know, major issues probably will end up causing you problems later on down the road. People talk about purchasing lenses from different places, and there's some people who won't buy a lens from Russia or the Ukraine, where I buy many lenses, or the, um, they won't buy Japanese lenses. But um, but there's things that you can do to deal with that. Well, first of all, eBay has gotten so all the onus is on the, the seller now. You can I've had lenses returned to me because someone said I don't like the way the images look, and and I've had to give them their money back. But um, if you find a, a reputable seller and you just stick with that person. When I buy lenses from the Ukraine, I buy them from a particular guy, and I ask him sometimes, can you find one for me? And I pay a, a wee little bit more because I kind of want something better. And one thing I don't think a lot of people do is have a good email exchange back and forth with the seller and ask a whole bunch of questions. And sometimes you can get a little bit carried away, and I, I have before. I mean, no, no one's going to test film on the camera for you. But um, when I bought this feature yesterday, the guy said that it was fully working, but I said, you know, just please do one thing for me. Open up the back and look through it and make sure that the shutter really is opening and closing consistently over and over and over again at different apertures and that the speeds look like they're changing and the aperture's changing. And I wanted just to have him do it on the day that I was going to buy it. And he did that. I didn't think that was unreasonable. And, um, and, and I'll do that with lenses too. I'll ask people, would you do this? Would you do that? To look for things like balsam separation that they might not easily see or know that's there. But there's a particular way they could look and tell. So I was just going to say, Carl, um, you've uh, you just mentioned the, uh, the 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 petri. I know you're calling it a petri. Um, but, uh, yeah, petri. Yeah, a petri sort of has has different connotations to me. So I'm going to go with petri. But something else you've we we've been having a chat and uh, John has been part of this chat as well about mm -hmm. petri cameras and, uh, and it's it's something that I've, I really like petri cameras and I, I started talking about them in our in our chat some time ago and uh, I've not actually managed to, to to buy one whereas uh, Johnny went out and bought his green matic and I think you're so you're now actually on your second there and uh, and you just keep on saying just about how cool it is and, I've, uh, I'm on the third I'm on my third on your third <laughs> well, uh, they're, they're... well the, fir the first one I bought the shutter was 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 frozen and um, I sent it back and got my money back on it right away and then uh, spent some time 
and I and the first one was was a nice one because it was a 1.8, which is a planar design, and the the one that I had second was the 2.8, which is a tessar lens. But they, um, it's cool to, in my hands, and the and the images from the first roll were just great. They had a really neat retro look to them. I like them, and then it died on the second roll of film, and um, and I did bang it on the counter yesterday and got the shutter to start working again for about an hour, but it isn't now. And um, yeah, and then I found another one yesterday, and it's a 1.8 again. So. Um, I mean, they're not that safe. I spent $22 last night buying another one. So if I can shoot three rolls of film and it dies, I'm gonna be, I'll am gonna. i be happy. Well, well, one thing about about it, I just, you, we, we've been talking about, well, you've, you've been talking about how cool it was and uh, and, and Johnny as, as, as well. And I felt I was getting a little bit left out of this uh, because I don't have one. And uh, and I, I went and had a look at what I picked up recently. And one of the Soviet items I picked up was a... a uh, what's it, a Zorki 10, which is uh, based off uh, a Rico Matic. Uh, it, it was based off, and uh, and I'm 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 just of the opinion that that my Zorki 10 is way cooler than uh, any Petri. And I'm just wondering what uh, yours and Johnny's and and Mike's opinion will be on uh, on cool um, fixed lens rangefinder cameras. Yeah, I, I like your camera that you showed us. It just looks really cheap. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you can say that it's uh i mean the, the the point the point about mine it probably weighs twice the in fact it probably weighs as much as the the the, the two or three sorry uh petries that you've actually bought recently the weight yeah these are, these are light it's, it's really funny picking up my canon p and then picking up this thing and it's just like it's a little tin thing that, so uh, Carl, that's because you have the later, the 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 Petri Seven. Yeah. Um, my Petri I have here in my hand um, weighs. I have a Petri in my hand and I have a Canon Seven in my hand, and they weigh the same. Get out! So I really? have the I, yeah, I have the the older Greenomatic, which you know I've taken, you know, um, some lens porn, some camera porn pictures of. Uh, my my Greenomatic, the old style Greenomatic, weighs as much as a Canon rangefinder. Wow. So the, the the one the can the Petri sevens are definitely um, a different kind of completely different design and construction, uh, and I'm not really slagging them off, but they, you know, they are very. It's a completely different camera. So, so I have um, I, I don't have a Zorki ten, but I do have the Ricomatic that um, the Zorki ten copied. And uh, I have a kitchen scale right in front of me, so let's see what this thing weighs. <laughs> it's uh, it's 527 grams for the Ricomatic. So I, I will say that the Soviets do tend to uh, shove a lot of like lead, you know, and, <laughs> and have heavy metal, uh, you know, alloys inside there. So it probably does weigh heavier than this. Um, so just, so just a question: was that with was that with the case, or was that just a straight uh, the just way? The, in? Just the yeah, just the camera okay. itself, no case. So I don't I'm, even I'm, have. To I'm just about to leave the podcast for for a minute because I'm going to weigh this one as well. So you you, you guys keep on. Ooh, talking. I'm going to go get mine too. I'm going to yeah. go get my Zorky pen. I'll be right back. We, so, we had a um, we had a I had a conversation with Ray Rico, um, who's in Miami, and he has a um, an XE2 and an X Pro, but um, he was wanting to know how heavy is the Canon P because he's thinking about buying one. So we have a kitchen scale that goes up to 500 grams, and I put the XE2 on it. 
and it was 320 grams. And I put my can and pee on it, and it just bottomed it out. It was way right. beyond 500. Well, I, have a, I have a can and pee right here, so let's see. What does this one weigh? But it's 700 and something. Well, I have a Nikkor 50 or 5 centimeter F2 yeah. lens on it. So let's see. It weighs 782 grams. Right. Uh-huh. So that's the Canon P. Yep. Um, so my nomination for my cool camera, uh-huh. I'm going with a brand that people hardly ever talk about. It's Iris. A-I-R-E-S. Oh, um, yeah. They, Iris was – a lot of people say Aries, like the sign of the Zodiac. But if you actually look, it's not spelled that way. Um, but this monster weighs 834 grams. Um, it's it's a it's a typical Japanese rangefinder from the 50s. Um, if you blur your eyes enough and look at it from like maybe 10 feet away, it does sort of resemble a Leica M3. Um, I think these Iris cameras are, are really really cool. Um, they they all come with their own. They call them Coral C O R A L lenses. And, and they are just sharp. I mean, I, I would I would argue, without being able to prove it, that they're just as sharp as anything you could find out there. Um, every roll of film I have shot through one of my two Iris cameras have come out outstanding. Um, they feel good in your hands. They're extraordinarily heavy in a good way. Um, they have large and bright viewfinders with the easy-to-use rangefinder patch. And... Um, Totally cooler than a Zorky Ten, in my you know, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm 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 back with news. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we your Zorky Ten's broken. No, oh, no, no, no. My, my, my Zorky Ten's wonderful. Um, <laughs> uh, so 527 grams for the uh, Ricomatic and. Uh-huh. The Zorki 10 is 665 uh, grams. Okay. Uh, just a quick, a quick one. The uh, I have actually got a Ricomatic somewhere, but not not to hand. But is it is it a true range finder or is it zone focus? The Ricomatic is a true range finder. Okay. Uh, they had a lesser model called the Rico Auto 35V, which is scale focus. So. There's two of them. Right. Well, that makes sense uh, to me because I also picked up some Zor- a, a couple of Zorky 11s and, and they are scale focus. So it right. looks like the, yeah. the, the two of the 10 and the 11 are based off those two particular versions they, of uh, Rico. Of course, the Zorky is cooler, of course, because it's uh, it's got more silver in it and it's got... Well, it's got the bottom line film advance. Yeah, it's got Cyrillic writing as well on the on the Zorky, nice. which also makes things cool as well. I think the camera that I... This doesn't count, right? Because we're talking about fixed lens the rangefinder that i think is the coolest looking is a nikon sp there you go oh yeah boy yeah that's a legend yeah i love the kievs the the soviet kievs based off of the contacts rangefinder i've always yeah. loved one of those look too those are great users too yeah i i have one and it's 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 great and i mean i think simon um tried to make the argument that his Zorky 10 is an improvement on the Japanese, on the Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I actually that's, that's will right. agree. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will actually agree with that uh, dubious argument in the case of the Kiev, which I, I think reliability wise, if you um, pick up a Kiev and pick up a contacts, the Kiev is, <laughs> is more likely to be working. I mean, the, the, the Nikon is more likely to be working than any of them, but the, the Kiev is, I would say, probably more reliable user at this stage of the game than any contacts is going to be. It used to be that you could buy a Kiev for for $25. This is back when I started 
yeah getting interested in camera because i bought two and it's really worked out well because one of them has been a donor camera for parts for the other one um i broke the little clip that the lens snaps into and so i had a replacement um this the spool, well, one of them was missing a spool, uh, a take-up spool, so it came out of the other camera. And there was another thing that broke. So I have one that has three pieces that are missing from it, but it's still sitting up there on, on display with the other one. If you're ever missing the take-up spool for Kiev, you can just use the core from a 35-millimeter uh, you know, well, set. You just, you'll have to tape the leader to the spool because there yeah. won't be a slit in it, but that works in a pinch too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I actually have, and this is maybe a little bit embarrassing, guys, but um, I have in front of me now, I have a uh, the Petri Green-O-Matic, the 1.9 heavy version. Uh-huh. I have a Zorky 10, and I have an Aries 35 3L oh. all in front of me. Okay. Yes. Um, and I think that my girlfriend has one of those uh, drug dealer cocaine weighing scales, and I could go and maybe weigh these things and see if they're uh, similar, but they feel, they all feel pretty similar that the, the, the Zorky is a little bit lighter than the Petri and the Petri is a little bit lighter than the Aries, which does feel like exactly yeah. what Mike just described. It's just like hewn out of iron. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 so I, yeah. <laughs> Thor's hammer, uh, actually is made out of old Iris cameras. Yeah. 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 The Iris is impressive. It really is. Now the one I have is, um, it's funny. It's the reason it's in my hand is that we were doing a little bit of basement clean out at central camera the other day. And, uh, my coworker, Charles kind of threw this thing at me and said, Hey, why don't you play with this? So I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it. It's got, it's got big problems. I mean, at the viewfinder, uh, the patch is almost invisible and the lens is a little wobbly. So I, it's not, I don't know that it's, um, it's a user really, but it, boy, it sure is nice to look at. And, and, and I would also say that the Petri I have, uh, and the, the Iris I have are nearly identical in shape and size. And even they both have that kind of angular, um, edges to the body, the same way that the cannons do like the Canon P they all share um, some similar design elements. So, boy, yeah, now that Simon Zorky 10 is completely out of the running already for <laughs> Coolest Rangefinder, I guess we're going to have to really um, battle it out here with the Iris and the Petri. Well, I, well I, Johnny, I, to, to keep it a little bit on, on, on topic, since that Iris lens that is wobbling, perhaps you could somehow get it off and adapt it maybe and, and put it on a uh, digital or something. Ted, that's that's true. I mean, I think it's headed back to the the basement at Central, oh, okay. but yeah, it, it 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 probably could be. I know that uh, there are some users in our group that are adapting lenses from lens rangefinders to you know to digital. So that's that's a very doable thing if you have a a body that's kind of shot on these cameras too. Yeah, Mike, I've, I'm I'm not, I don't think I can just lie down and uh, and. and <laughs> decide that I've lost this one already um, so I, I think we need to we need to put this somehow to uh, to, to, to a vote in, in, in some way and and I'm, I'm wondering is this something we might be able to do on uh, vintage camera collectors and put a poll up there with the uh, the four these four cameras and see what your yeah. uh, your members uh, view of, of, of <laughs> The downside is, of course, they're all going to vote for yours because you're Mike Etman. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I'm, 
I am not that famous, believe it or not. I'm not not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let let let's 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 do that. We'll come up with a, a post. Perhaps we'll might put it in with the uh, with 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 the main post. We sometimes put a, a post up for the podcast in your in your group. And thanks for letting us do that. Um, and so we we might do that. Or we might do something singular. So we'll we'll have a think about that and uh, try and make that okay. happen. So that, 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 like a, that, like that a battle royale or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, I think that's a, a good time to end the, the episode there. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so once again, if I say once again, I haven't actually thanked you, Mike. But uh, so thank you, Mike, for being on today. It's been brilliant. I've, uh, I've, I feel like I've actually been a, a, a listener today, um, which is probably good news for <laughs> probably a lot of people are quite happy about that. Maybe I don't know. But uh, I've, I've, I've sat back and I've, I've really enjoyed uh, what you've had to say there so it's it's been an education so thank you very much for being on today's show yeah that's i really appreciate the offer um i had a lot of fun too so thank you that, that's great so um as usual then we're going to round things off uh, as usual johnny could you tell people how people can keep up with you on various social media outlets yeah sure um you will definitely find me in the photography with classic lenses facebook group uh you will find my photos on Instagram. I try to post there most most days of the week. I am at Sisson Photography on Instagram. And you can find me at the camera sales department at Central Camera Company uh, pretty much every day. I'm Carl. Well, on Flickr, it's Carl Havens. And on um, Instagram, it's Carl Havens, all underscore with a, I don't know what the thing is called, a, a line, a lowercase line. <laughs> Carl and Havens. <laughs> yeah, lowercase with a, with a thing between the two of them. And then um, mostly on our, on our, classes, our Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook. And how about you, Mark? You're, you've, you've got a, a few outlets there. Perhaps you could tell us about those. Probably the easiest would just start at my website. It's just my name, MikeEckman.com. From the main page, there's a contact uh, form you could use. Um, anytime you respond to any uh, review that I've posted, I get an email alert, so I do see those. Um, otherwise, another easy way is the Vintage Camera Collectors Group on Facebook. Uh, I am an admin there, so I'm posting usually daily. Um, you know, and, and uh, I'll answer private messages through Facebook as well. That's great. And I can be found in a few places. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, uh, Flickr, I'm on as uh, Simon Forster. And you can find my eBay shop as if you search for It's Fozzy, that's I T S F O Z Z Y. Um, I have a website, uh, Simon Forster Photographic.co.uk. And a bit of news that uh, I'm, I'm going to do the Johnny bit where he usually interrupts me right at the end and that's uh, we haven't spoken about the the new email address Johnny yeah yeah uh, so thank thanks to Carl for creating uh, an email address for us so uh, we now have an email address where you can send us your thoughts ideas questions I think you could probably even send us a recorded message if you like um, email address is classic lenses podcast at gmail.com and we definitely look forward to hearing from you yeah and i didn't create it so I, thanks but thanks for the compliment oh i thought that was uh <laughs> no, i thought that was you carl <laughs> no. simon yeah i'll take the credit for that okay um, good and then uh, finally you can you can find all of us all or three of us at least um, on the facebook group photography with classic lenses i hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast and it'd be great if you can join us again next week goodbye this is terrible. Uh, Johnny posted a photo while we were talking 
of these three cameras we've been talking about. I think the one in the middle is the one Simon has, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what it is? It's cooler looking than the others. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't take a good picture of his, but this is a cool camera. I'm, I'm sure you're going to do well. The uh, a couple of things to remember. Um, if if something goes horribly wrong and your brain just freezes, don't worry about it because that happens quite often. And uh, we can, we can edit things and make it sound like well, I make it I make Johnny sound intelligent. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that um, <laughs> I'm sure that you'll, you'll be fine. And that's a testament to Simon's magic for sure. Yeah. <laughs>